Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, hello, everybody. Jim Hackett and Pete Davidson, your fantasy football guys here at WEEI, are back. And guess why? It is NFL Combine time. And my buddy Pete Davidson, hello there, Pete. What's up, bud? How you doing? I'm all right, buddy. I'm all right. But I, uh, it brings us back together, which is um, three very fat articles on WEI.com. One of just went just went up with the a lot rec- of words. A lot of a lot of words there. <laughs> one just went up with the receivers and quarterbacks and running backs went up a, a little earlier in the week, like what, Wednesday this week. So, yeah, yeah. So uh, well, yeah, so they're all working yeah. out down there now, well, out there, I yeah. should say. And you throw some tight ends up tomorrow. That that won't be quite as in depth as the other three. You know, definitely got to beat on some of these tight ends. Uh, definitely some good guys coming out. Well, last um, year tight ends was a blast because it was such a great yeah. blast. You know what I mean? Tight ends stole the show last year. We Absolutely. spent the whole off season on tight ends, and we spent a good amount of time during the season and during the show talking about the yeah. tight ends. No, I think uh, I think I was right on that one. I think you were. I think you hit that one. You know, relevant again, though, aren't they? With uh, particularly here with. All the stories swirling around Mr. Gronkowski could right. that could that potentially become a position of need for the Pats? I guess is, is an area to kind of talk about. I, I think yeah. he's going to be back with that. That's purely gut instinct. That's all that. Yeah, is. I, I, I mean, you know, the big names are now reporting that he's expected back. So I mean, uh, you know, unless there's something we don't know about Gronk. Um, I, I've got to think he's going to be back, but uh, I think so. I think Fourier hit it well. I don't know if you heard him uh, no. earlier in the week, but actually the last couple of weeks. But he's like, it's posturing. It's posturing for a new deal, and that makes perfect sense because the guy, to me, and I've said this a bunch of times, I don't only think he's the best tight end in football. I don't only think he's the best tight end that's ever played. I actually think he's the best football player that's ever played, and <laughs> he deserves to be paid as such. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I don't know if I go that far. He's, he's definitely, I think, the, the the best tight end I've ever had the pleasure of watching. No and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I would think if Gronk wants more money, it would be as simple as saying, pay me more money. How much? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if he really has to go through any public posturing. You know, it's just, you know, you guys will be paying me more, or you will be paying someone else, you know. Uh, but uh, I suppose, you know, the Patriots might come back with, you know, we, we won a Super Bowl without you, but uh, I think they're smart enough to know they might have gotten a little lucky there. And uh, yeah. Gronkowski's don't grow on trees. Period. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any tolerance for, the, for that BS this time yeah. around. But you, you know what I mean? Like, look at the, the it, people are trying to make the parallels in terms of you know Belichick being a master at leaving you know too soon versus too late, and that's all true. But this is a different animal. This is a different animal, and the Patriots moving forward in 2018 and beyond are a different animal. And yeah, I'm I just mean, saying, don't mess with Gronkowski. Repro- it's a, it's a re- replacing lawyer Malloy is not something you can compare, you know, to replacing Rob Gronkowski. No doubt. The only thing that comes... Richard Seymour or anybody else you want to bring up. Yeah, Seymour, he was the one. He comes a little bit close, but it's not even close to me. Yeah, I mean, is Seymour even in your top 50 defensive linemen of all time? Probably not. So, there you go. He's probably in that conversation. He's a Hall of Fame guy, but there's a lot of great defensive linemen. I don't think Richard Seymour will end up in the Hall. He's got. A, he, he's got. A, I think he's got a legitimate chance. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. And I'm not straddle on yeah. the fence, even though that yeah. totally sounds it. But I, I think he's got the chops to be there. But that's me. Yeah, I think. I think at some point they, no, but he's, they he's, only let so many people in off a given team. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how many Patriots ultimately make it. I mean, we know one. <laughs> we, you know, we know one Patriot who's a lock. Brady and Gronk will be there, and I think yeah, Gronk obviously is a lock. I think Ty Law should be there. I I I, I wouldn't have a problem with Ty Law. You know, career career went downhill a little bit early, um, but uh, heck of a football player and bit huge in the big games. You know what I mean? You know, huge he wasn't what he was with the Jets. I think he picked off ten balls for us. So. Right? Yeah, and yeah. and Harrison probably a good argument for Rodney Harrison too. I would say. And, uh, yeah. and maybe Matt Light, but we'll we'll see about. He's probably a fringe at best, but yeah. uh, there's a lot of candidates there. There's a yeah, lot I mean the, the the thing with the Patriots, you've got turnover. You know, I mean obviously Randy Moss, 
Yeah, who's in? Yeah, so uh, you're definitely going to have your share. But the fact that, you know, the first, you know, the early Super Bowl crew got turned over. Um, so it's not, it's, it's not like you've got all these guys that were with Brady all the way through the run. No, yeah, for sure, for sure. Right. So, yeah, That's what happens sure. when your run lasts 17 years. Or whatever yeah, I know. You know. I know. So. I know very few people have careers like that. It's, um, it's funny. I was reading uh, Ty Anderson on WEI.com today, and I actually thought his article, he wrote an article about Gronk from the perspective of a kid who's been watching wrestling for a long time, and he was making, he's like, Gronk will never be in the, profe- in the, in the WWE, which I don't know that I agree with, but the, the case he I don't made, think he should. Well, that's I think, the, be, I think it would be a big mistake for him to do that. Well, the case he was making is the injuries. You know what I mean? It's like he's like that mat isn't a trampoline. He's like, you know, these guys really get hurt, and this guy's fragile anyway. It which sort of is a trampoline. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually been on it. You've been when, in the squared when, circle. When have you absolutely. Been in the squared when circle? I worked at Madison Square Garden, oh, that's true. And, yeah, I we used to go down and check it out on the day of the fights. And there's a lot of give to that thing, more than you think. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, for a guy, if like if 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 Gronk's going to retire early because he wants to avoid CTE, I don't think working for Vince McMahon is is a great career yeah. move. But yeah. um, you know, maybe a here and there event. Yeah, no, he it was, it was great last year when he did the appearance. I think people dug it. Yeah. I think he dug it, and I think the the wrestling people dug it. And I think that's the yeah. role. You know what I mean? I think I mean Gronk certainly has the personality to do it. And no he's, doubt. He's got the physicality to do it, yep. uh, and uh, you know I'd certainly think that your average wrestling fan would probably be a Gronk fan, whether they're a Patriot fan or not. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, look, hopefully Gronk doesn't need that kind of money. Hopefully, uh, and and you know, I think that's the thing when it comes to retirement. You know, is you know, it's not like he's Brady where he's been making large money for a long time. Um, what is Gronk? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah, he's got a. It's an eight year window right now. Yeah. Right, and I mean, you know, a lot of that was on his rookie deal. So um, I, I think he's a guy who probably wants one or two more years at big money. And I think he deserves to be making, you know, whatever the max amount of money for him is. You know, I he shouldn't, I don't, you know, for Brady to take a team discount, that's one thing. Uh, for Gronkowski to do it, I, I don't think uh, would make a lot of sense. Yeah, because he's not going to play until he's 45. It's it, just, yeah. Exactly, yeah. and he's a player who's been shown his football mortality on many occasions. Yeah, before he got to the league. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, he's he's really paid his dues. He's really, I, I don't see how the Patriots could ever ask more out of him than what he's given. Uh, so he deserves to be paid. Yeah, bingo. And bingo was his name all. And, <laughs> and I think that will sort itself out, but it does, it does bring up an interesting draft, you know, for the Pats because there's the obvious thirst and need to, you know, refortify at quarterback. Now, whether that has to be this year or next year, that's debatable, depending upon who's there, but right. that's there. And then running back, you know, you hit it in your article from Wednesday, Pete. You know, we, I mean, Deion Lewis could go, Rex Burkhead right. could go, Gillisley right. could go. You know, they re-signed Brandon Bolden, but he's not going to tote it. So there's a lot to talk right. about in terms of the draft. Although Bolden sure positions. is a great guy to have lying around, you know. Yeah, love him. Like, you can take him out of mothballs, give him 15 carries in a game, and, and, he'll, and he won't kill you. Yeah, he'll do something with it. But he, he's yeah. exa- what they did with him this year is exactly, and in years past, is exactly what you want him for. Yeah. Uh, special teams and the occasional, yep. all right, he won't kill us. But, Absolutely. Uh, but Absolutely. The- he's a big guy with some skill. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, if Burkhead and Galisley go, or if Burkhead and... Dion go, or if Dion and Galisley go, um, yeah, I mean that's just going to create a, a a need. And you know what? You know, typical Patriots. This is a great year to have a need at running back. Yeah, I saw your tweet. You beat me to it by about twenty seconds. I happened to be eating lunch, and I was watching ESPN when Carolina uh, dropped dropped Jonathan Stewart. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, he's a, that's a great guy for the Patriots to pick up. And I went to Twitter, and the first thing I saw was at Rotobon. I was like, oh, he beat me to it. But, uh, <laughs> but that's a typical, that's an absolute typical Patriot signing. And he'd be great. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He does exactly what they need. Be an interesting player. Yeah, I mean, I could see them picking up him on the on the super cheap. I, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if there's a team that could talk Matt Forte out of retirement for one season. It, it, it might be New England. Um, there's definitely a lot of guys out there who you can bring in for that, you know, that veteran role the way they did with Dylan one year, the way they, they tried to do with Fred Taylor one year. Um, there's definitely plenty of guys out there who fit that bill. Uh, there's some guys in the draft who can uh, maybe not be Deion Lewis, but certainly play in that role. Um, 
and uh, there's plenty of big backs too. Uh, but you know, I, I have to say, replacing Burkhead, uh, that's going to be a tough one. That's my priority of all those yeah. backs, honestly. And you know, you've talked to me enough on air, in the podcast, live on the phone. I've been saying it for years, as of you. We love Deion Lewis, the, the both of us, and, and I, I think he has just been exceptional. I think he's the best at what he's done um, in New England, why, why he was brought in, and, and so much right. so that he became the lead back. But, you know, that I think the die is cast on that. If I have to save a guy the, the, that I think I, I can save on the team, it, it's Burkett to me. That, that's the guy yeah. I want back. I mean, I'm just sort of t- also taking a guess at, at what the money's going to be. I mean, Burkhead, I think, showed enough where somebody out there is going to offer him a raise. Um, I, I have to think that Deion Lewis, who's proven uh, you know, to be durable at this point, who held up to you know, a decent workload last season, yeah. um, I, I would think Deion would command a little bit of money to the point where the Patriots aren't going to want to go there. That's my thought. Uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm the Patriots, I... And this is this could be debated, but I think if I'm New England and I can't afford to keep Amendola and Dion, I think Amendola is the guy I'm going to bring back. Yeah, I agree with you because I think there are, because there are he, alternatives at running backs. There are alternatives. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, granted, didn't win the Super Bowl, but if the Patriots had won the Super Bowl, not many more people would have deserved like an MVP kind of thing for the playoffs, you know, over Amendola. I mean, yeah, he I agree. Was just unbelievable. And, and that's on the heels of being great in the playoffs before. I mean, this is a guy who just, I mean, you want a big game player. Danny Amendola is a big game player. Tough to find a better one when it, when it, when it matters. He's been like that his entire time here in New England. Right, right. And, and even I mean, when he wasn't favorable, even when he was like the clear third or fourth receiver, he'd come up yeah. with a big third down catch. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, I, I, people probably, our regular listeners to our program were probably almost tired of listening to me say, don't overuse Amendola, don't overuse yeah. Amendola. But, you know, he's just that valuable in the playoffs where I don't want him getting a season-ending concussion or a clavicle or whatever might happen. Yeah, uh, he's just too big in the big spot. Yeah, and you know what? He, he also... They've been a perfect fit for him and he for them. So Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. The, they used him perfectly. So if I'm him, and despite whatever the agent might be whispering in his ear, he, he's got to know. He's, these guys get me. They get my value. They get my usage level. Um, I, I think he, he is the priority. And I, I don't think it's going to be that tough to sign him if you factor in all those things. And if he factors in all those things and his agent. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. It would depend who his suitors are, I suppose. Um, I mean, if 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 the Forty ers came a calling, I don't know. Maybe that might interest him. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, a, a team like the Saints maybe could be an interesting team for him. I mean, certainly he doesn't need to go to some bad team to make an extra million dollars. And and I, he's already shown in the past that he's willing to knock a million off his salary to stay with the Patriots. Yeah. Um, and as I allude to in the article this morning, I think this is a rare situation where the Patriots might bend their own rule yeah. uh, to keep a player, just because he's, he, this is a guy who's bent over backwards to help them with their cap situation. Uh, I think everybody looks good if he ends up back in New England happy. I think that's, I think that's something that you can sell to your entire roster. Like, look, we're not inhuman here. You know, yep. you help us, we help you, yep. and uh, and this guy's earned his money. I mean, dear lord, how? <laughs> I mean, he Amendola was easily worth twice what they paid him last year. No doubt, and and he should, and he earns it here. Like at thirty-one years old, and at his size and his past injury history, as durable as he's been the last few years, I don't know how big the financial market will be for him. So pay him here. I think it just makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah, well, it, it depends, right? I mean, it, 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 if there's a team out there ready to win now. They may see Amendola as a person to pay, but you know, if a team like the Jets is just trying to flex their cap space, I don't think that's something that's going to, you know, appeal to to him. Yep. yep. You know, um, I mean, he's. I, I, you know, my, my gut says he's going to end up on a good team, playing with a good quarterback, probably the Patriots. Yeah, I think so too, and also too for the Patriots. You know, it hasn't been the happiest of times, even though they were. You know, very close to winning another Super Bowl. You know, right. the last few months have been have been publicly tumultuous in terms of the brand and the perception and all that kind of stuff. Keep your glue, guys. 
Keep your glue, guys. Like, you know, it's pretty that, remarkable <laughs> that the Patriots could be in a bad PR spot given it, the level of success. One, score, of one score away from another Super Bowl. I, yeah, I mean, it, it really point. makes you wonder just like how much. I mean, I mean, I've I've been on social media and seen Patriot fans just going after Belichick in ways that just I don't know. I can't I can't imagine having a coach that good and going after him. You know, it mystifies uh, me. Yeah, I mean, uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about the Super Bowl. This is the first time we've been on, I think, since the Super Bowl. I think Bowl. you're right. And, yeah, and and you know, whatever. It's water under the bridge at this point. But you know, you can disagree with any individual thing that the Patriots did, but the idea that Belichick was trying to do anything other than win is crazy. No no doubt about it. It's just crazy. I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you totally. And you yeah. know what? They were they were beaten. I mean, you know, they, look, at the, the, the reason they lost is their defense, and everyone's got their panties in a bunch about Malcolm Butler. I, you know, whatever. I, don't, I, I mean, my, my first instinct is to not agree with it, but we don't know well, the whole story, and we never will. You know, sure. And, and and I played think, pretty well, actually, after the first couple series. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I was going to say that. You know, the, uh, sure, there's a couple high-profile plays you can look to, but the guy wasn't getting beaten like a dog all game long, like right. some people say. And if you look at Jeffrey's touchdown, I mean, that was a pretty darn good throw and yep. a pretty darn good catch. It was a perfect throw. Yeah, so, um, you know, and look, if, I think sometimes we, f- we forget that how much the details matter to the Patriots, and I don't know what their play calling was going to be in the Super Bowl, but clearly they had a plan. It was something they were installing throughout the week. Butler wasn't able to participate in it. You know, right or wrong, I think they had their reasons. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's not like... <laughs> Look, if Brady doesn't get sacked to lose the football in that last possession, this is all like a non-story. I know, they win. I know, I right. know, they yeah. probably, the, the Patriots were in really good position to win that game. Yep. and Despite their defense fledgling the entire game. Despite yeah, that. but the, the Eagles' front, front seven stepped up. They got to, I mean, you and I have said it a million times. You want to beat the Patriots? Get to Brady. Well, in the big spot, they got to Brady. Yeah, and also uh, what I've been saying, and I actually said this before the game, um, is you got to coach with some balls. You, you you have to you have to be you have to be sea biscuit. You have to be rocky. You have to go for it, yeah. man. And so many teams in Jacksonville two weeks before, you know, did the exact opposite. No doubt that they lost. And give Peterson tons of credit, man. He went for it in a big way all game, and they won. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. I and you know, look, I. I, I, I'm not going to take back anything I said about Nick Foles in terms of the way he was playing when they first put him in there. Yeah. And really, up and through the Falcon playoff game, he did not play that well. But against the Vikings and the Patriots... He flipped the script, yeah. That was the Nick Foles we saw a couple of years ago when he was playing for Chip Kelly and he made the Pro Bowl. Yeah. It was that guy. Yeah. Um, so kudos to the Eagles for putting in game plans and for getting him ready and for, and for calling the plays that he had confidence in. And, you know, and it was, I have to say, it was pretty impressive, and I'm sure most of the people have seen it, you know, when Foles is running to the sidelines and, and telling him what play he wants to run, and the coach is like, yeah, yeah, let's run that. I mean, that's impressive. That's what good coaches do. Good coaches look at the, the players that they have. How can, we, how can we get the most out of this? Let's not try to make this guy. Well, just, you're absolutely right. You're you absolutely know, Carson right. Wentz. He's not Carson but, Wentz. But being free and easy and loose when the stakes are that high. I mean, we've seen it twice now in recent history. Sean Payton with the, with, with the onside kick leading off the ha- second half. And, and, and that play they call on the goal line. These are moves where if you are wrong, you can lose your job. Yeah. And they're doing it like it's nothing. That's a sign of a coach you want. Yeah, no doubt. No, no doubt. I, I'm duly impressed with that guy. Duly impressed. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just, and I mean, you know, this is against a team that you have to assume is going to be prepared for things. Yep. So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, that was a good Super Bowl. Two good football teams it's, showed up, and they both, Super Bowl. both yeah. played well. It took on, and, and, you know, sometimes fans see what they want to see, but, I mean, how many times have we seen these, a football game takes on a personality, okay? And that was an offensive football game. The Super Bowls have been like that a lot in recent memory, where it's just an offensive game, and especially in the second half. Um, as Teddy Bruschi says, these teams get gassed, you know, and he's right. How many times have we seen big defensive stops in the fourth quarter of Super Bowls? They're few and far between. Yeah. Yep. You know, unless it's the Falcons collapsing, you know. Yeah. Um, 
so uh, you know, it was a, it was. I have to say, I thought it was one of the the best Super Bowls I've ever seen. It was very entertaining, and it, you know, yeah. as, a, as a as a Patriots fan with a significant amount of gray hair on the sides, you know, <laughs> it doesn't like you know. I I always take stock of the fan in me, uh, you know, of where I am versus where we once were. So it doesn't sting as much. But there's a lot of people out there that follow the Patriots that don't have the history that dates back with all the shit that we had to deal with as Patriots right. fans and Boston sports fans. Their lens is completely different. And people, oh, I'm devastated. What are you devastated about? We've we, 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 you know, been in eight Super Bowls, you know, uh, in the Brady-Belichick area. You've won five of them. Like, era. Right. Like, Come on. I mean, what are you devastated about? Enjoy Steal a line from Bill Murray. It's, it's not like old Yeller got shot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Look, I wanted to win as much as the next guy, but, you know, sure. you know, come on. It, it was a great game. And, uh, and, and, and the big look. thing to me is, like, I, I like sustainability of success, and I've got some big-time concerns on the defensive side of the ball. Now, we're going to get into offense, where I think they also have, have, some, have some needs. You know, look at if Dante Skarnecchia doesn't come back, suddenly offensive line becomes an issue, because I think you— Isn't Skarnecchia back? Didn't that get confirmed? Yeah, he, yeah, he is coming back. But, I, you know, but if, he, right. if he doesn't, now that's an issue. You know what I mean? Right. Running back could be an issue. Tight end, theoretically, could if, be an issue. If I'm the Patriots, I'm looking at— uh... If I can, if I can do anything to improve the offensive line, that's that maybe is where I'm going to spend. It's always it's always a factor. And by the way, you know Nate Solder has been a, a very very good, solid, productive left tackle, but he's not perfect. And there's a lot of gaps on that line. So again, I give when I had that conversation with Sebastian Vollmer back in the in the preseason of, of 2017, I asked right. him straight up, you should have seen, he was in the studio with me, you should have seen his face. He's like, it was basically like, Jim, it was like when a, when like a grandparent talks to you, like kind of like, you know, <laughs> gives you the straight scoop of how life is. He was just like, this guy is, he just makes you better in every way. And, yeah, and you know, no affront to Dave Andrews or Marcus Cannon or Shaq Mason or any of these guys. Are they as good without him? I don't know. Listen, you know, the, the Jets had a special teams coach, uh, Mike Westhoff. Um, I remember. And there's nobody like him. And when we lost him, you knew that the special teams were going to go down, and they did. And it's just some coaches are just that good. Um, and Skarnick is one of those guys. And, you know, when Belichick keeps you around for that long, it's not a coincidence. Skarnick um, was in the Rod Rust coaching staff. And for correct. those who don't remember, they were 1 in 15. Right. So this guy right. knows what well, Right. So any time a coach comes in and keeps some of the pre existing furniture, that's a nod. That's it's good a, furniture. Yeah. Right. We're going to keep that guy. You know, I, uh, yeah, I've got my guy, but we'll keep that guy. Um, and, you know, and Belichick, obviously, smart enough to, to do those things. Um, one guy I think the Pats could look at, depending, I don't know what their needs are in the internal part of the line, but if Weston Richburg can be fit into their uh, cap situation, I'd, I'd consider going after him, stealing from the Giants. Um, of course, if I'm the Giants, I want to find a way to keep him. I, I, the Giants, people are talking about them losing Richburg and Pew. Man, if they do that, that's a... Dogs loose, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not good. But anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's jump in and do some combine stuff. Yeah, I want to do or, some... Or some rookie stuff. Let, let's do some rookie and some combine stuff. Just one more thought on that, just to kind of yeah, yeah. plant the seed, right? As we transition into the skill positions, that's what we do. Pete and I are the fantasy football guys here at EEI. So we're going to get into running backs and then in high-level QBs, maybe some receivers. That article's up on EEI.com right now. It's great, um, by the way. Um, but my sense is what, the Patriots have a lot of holes to fill. And I think for the positions that we would normally talk about here, you're going to see a lot of free agent signings, a lot of veterans fill those. They're going to spend their draft capital on defense. They've got to get younger, they've got to get faster, and they've got to get more talented, period. I, could, I can see that. Hey, yeah. Listen, it, it, when it comes to the skill positions in this draft, there's really, you don't need to attack them early anyway. Um, it's, I mean, you it's, can, a depth, you're, you're, it's a depth lot. Oh, you're going to be able to get quality running back prospects in the fifth and sixth round. I'd be surprised if that's not the case. And the drop-off in receivers, um, you know, when you, you know, say from round three to round six, is going to be negligible. So uh, the, the Patriots can rely on their scouting uh, departments to take the right uh, players if they're, if they're looking at a receiver, which I doubt, uh, and if they're looking at a running back, which, you know, by the time we get to the draft, I think that picture will be relatively clear. Yeah, no doubt. But this, is a, this looks like it to be a deep class, maybe lacking some Very. star power, but lots of depth at the skills. So the running backs are going today at the Combine. Yeah, there is Friday. star power on the running back side. Uh, yes, there I, is. I don't see a ton of star power on the, on the receiver side. Yeah, but, so they're talking about Barkley as maybe being one of the, the best players to come out of a draft in recent memory. 
Uh, yeah, he's State. an interesting one. I, I you know, I, I don't. I don't know if I love him as much as consensus. I definitely like him. Uh, I think the the thing about him that makes him special is actually his receiving ability. Mm. Uh, he he's an outstanding uh, receiving running back. And, That's important uh, now, you know. Yeah, yeah, in today's NFL, it's huge. Uh, he's he's sort of hit and miss as a ball carrier. I mean, when he hits, it's ridiculous. I mean, he's a <laughs> home run hitter uh, without question, uh, and he's a big two hundred and thirty three pound dude. Mm. So I mean, this is just a. a yeah, you know, finding a, a, a comp player to uh, Saquon Barkley is very difficult. He's sort of an, a, a really sort of a new thing, um, but you know, he he does leave you wanting sometimes if you're just looking for a guy who's going to grind it out as a running back. Mm. Uh, he's not that kind of running back, uh, but you know. If you could put him, you know, if he got like what, if he, you could put him with, you know, Alvin Kamara went last year. If you put oh, him with boy. a guy like Breeze, yeah. oh my word, he would just be unbelievable. Mm. Mm. So, so the, his location is going to have a lot to do with his success, like, like we often I, talk about, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I sort of don't want him to go to Cleveland, although it's, it's, it seems like he will. And, and the only reason is that Cleveland seems to be going highly conventional, and I think this kid's a little bit unconventional. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd rather see him go to a team like, Maybe the Giants, uh, you know, where you're going to be running, you know, more, uh, you know, out of uh, the, the Giants will run out of passing formations, and, and I think they'll be able to do different things with their running back. I think he'd be great there. Not that I think the Giants should take a running back second overall. I don't think they should. Um, but if I'm a team who plays conventional football, I would rather hope that Darius Geis somehow mm-hmm. magically slips into the second round mm-hmm. and go early on Barkley personally. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it. Darius Geis is good. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> he's like, a good running. You back. like what you've seen so far? Oh man, he's and 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 Nick Chubb, my third running back, is just unbelievable. George, I mean, uh, just, I, George is. I mean, the running backs just fall out. Of yeah, they're, it's they're, unbelievable. They're, they're, they get great running backs. Yeah. And the two coming out this year are very good. Uh, and granted, they they play behind a really good offensive line. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, look, Nick Chubb's been good. He was good in 2014. He was good until he got hurt in 15. Came back from a gruesome knee injury in one season and was still, you know, 2016 Nick Chubb was probably the worst we've seen. He was still very good coming off. I mean, he had a bizarre knee injury, Jim. He actually did every ligament except the ACL. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that. I, I mean, I'm sure it's happened that. somewhere, what, what, but what I've never heard of it. Or what, like, what, what causes that? That's strange because the ACL is like the center of it all. Very strange injury. He mm. he did his he did the PCL, but not the ACL, and he did uh, both of the uh, uh, of of the outer outside ligaments, the MCL um, and and uh, the PCL. Excuse me, the LCL. Um, so, you know, obviously three reconstructive um, three reconstructed ligaments, um, and the guy now when you look at him. It's he is not far off of his pre-injury form, which which is impressive. And and you know the thing that's interesting about Chubb to me is, um, and you you know you've had an ACL reconstruction, so you know. Yep. Um, sometimes that second and third year away from the surgery, you're still getting better. Um, and uh, I wonder if Chubb could be even better next year. We saw it with Deion Lewis, right? I think we, you know he was. It was a good, yeah. Good, I remember warning people about that. Yeah. People not listening to me. <laughs> you saw it eighteen months before you really saw what we saw in that initial yeah. burst before he got hurt. Like wow, it, look at this guy. It, it, anterior cruciate ligaments, and I had an orthopedist, orthopedist, uh, orthopedic surgeon uh, say this to me. It, it, it has a lot to do with genetics and just what your knee is like. Mm. Some people have knees that have a good predisposition to replacement and, and coming back. Some people they're never going to be the same. And it's just, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just the way their knee is. Mm. Um, and, you know, we've seen a- ACLs, because some players have been able to come back so effectively, the general public has this view that, oh, ACL is now 6 to 12-month injury, bing, bang, boom. Yeah. It really isn't. Um, it's still something where, uh, you know, maybe 20% of people, I'm just picking that number out of thin air. It might be 25, might be 30, might be 15. I don't know. But some people, a fair percentage of people, will not come back the same. You know what started it, Pete? Was Wes Welker. 
Like when Wes Welker came back, the fastest I'd ever seen anybody. Well, Jerry was, Rice is the guy. Oh, Jerry Rice. Yeah, Jerry Rice is the <laughs> Jerry player, Rice yeah. did it like in the same day. It, like, it, it was like six months, six or eight months. Yeah, it was Rice. It was Rice. And then, then you saw Welker, and then you saw others kind of follow well, suit. Rice doesn't count because he's not a human being. He's a freak. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. Um, it was Jerry Rice. It was about eight months. I want Maybe less than eight months. It was crazy. Jerry Rice played football like. I, I have to go look it up, but he it was hurt like, like an OTAs, and then he was back by like before the playoffs or by the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it 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 didn't make any sense. And I, I think if you if you could put Rice on sodium pentothal, he'd probably admit that he came back too soon. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, some people have, and 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 this is just like it's not. This isn't a good genetics versus bad genetics thing. It's just sort of random chance. Um, not every knee joint is exactly the same. And, um, you know, some people just, the, the area where you fit the ligament in, it's just a little bit cleaner and, and, and you know, it, it works a little bit better. Um, I mean, think of how amazing it is in the first place that we can replace anterior cruciate ligaments. Yeah. Pretty remarkable that we can even do that. Well, what they know? do now is so different. Like when I had mine, they actually took my patella tendon and stretched yes. it down and like, as a replacement. It's like you don't have yep. that anymore. You're going to have extra of this. I think sometimes they still do patella. I yeah. mean, they have, they have options. They have, I mean, cadavers are an option. There's, there's a lot of different options. Um, uh, most of the people I know had patella. And then, of course, usually they take it from the patella on the opposite leg, or at least they used to. Mm. And then you have multiple rehabs you need to do because you have to rehab the patella. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so, you know, I mean, you go back. I remember when, if you go back to the early 90s, Alexei Kovalev, a Rangers hockey player, um, had an ACL. Yeah. And, you know, the, the surgeries were getting better then. Um, but they, you know, that was when they would literally drill into your knee with yep. a drill. Yep. I remember watching the surgery, not live, but they, they showed the actual surgery through the camera that the doctors see. And it was just like, oh, my God, that's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the funny thing is, at that time, people were like, can you, can you believe this technology? Imagine if Bernard King had had this seven years ago, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and now we look, at, we look at the Kovalev technology like it's barbaric, you know, like yeah. he's the... The Theodoric Barber of York, or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, the stuff is getting better, but uh, you know some people are, are not going to be the same. But and, Chubb uh, is Chubb a guy you worry about with that at all? No, Chubb's yeah. a guy who's back and he looks great. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know what are, is he now predisposed to further injury? I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, but uh, I'll tell you one thing: I love Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are really high on Delvin Cook coming back, but there is that unknown 10 to 15 percent, whatever you, whatever number you want to put on it, chance that he's not going to be the Dalvin Cook we know and love. That would stink. We'll we just just getting used to him, man. Like he was, he boy, he come out flashing last year in his rookie Probably's year. Good back. Yeah. Good back. Yep. Great back. And in Minnesota, you got a great team around him. A good line, good offense. That that team. Look, they they uh, they they pooped themselves in the NFC Championship. But think about it. Their third string quarterback, you know, their top running back out. Yeah, kudos to them. You know, I hope he comes back and he comes back strong. I'd really like to see more of him and more of that offense in in, in its totality. You know, it's it was almost like with Minnesota that like they lost to the Saints. I mean, the Saints won that game, and then a absolute freak play switched the result. Yeah, I mean, that's what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if psychologically that was a weird thing for the Vikings. Like in the back of their minds, they know they actually lost to the Saints. You know, um, sports is weird that way. I think but, Philly uh, just snuck up on everyone too. Like they, they I mean, I I wrote them off, and uh, I know that, and I'm not the only I, one. I, I I was pretty much blown away that they beat. The Vikings in Minnesota with a Super Bowl it, it, in Minnesota on the line. Well, well, it was in Philadelphia, but the Super yeah, oh, right, right, yeah. So Minnesota's fighting for a chance to play the Super Bowl at home against Nick Foles, and they cough it up. So I know. that I mean, poor Vikings fans. That's a, that's a rough one. Yeah, and, ch- and ch- <laughs> that's and ch- a really rough. And one. chalk it up to everyone underestimating what Philadelphia was all about. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, chalk it up to absolutely. That. I, mean, I was. I, I mean, I have to admit, I was sort of like I. I felt bad for Eagles fans because they were so into it, and I felt like, man, these people are going to get so let down. I feel bad for them because they de- because the Eagles deserved so much better. The Wentz thing was such a bad beat. Yeah, 
Um, so then they ended up on a magic carpet ride and winning the Super Bowl. Anyway, it's a pretty amazing story. The only, I thing I don't, the only thing I don't agree with you in that comment is that I don't feel bad for Philly fans at, about anything ever at all because they're <laughs> barbarians. It's, okay, I was going to say, is this through the Super Bowl lens? <laughs> this is the booing Santa Claus thing, or the, the whole thing. I mean, you know, the just, whole thing. Yeah, look at yeah. Every, I mean, every I, fan look. base has its scumbags. They just have a higher right. percentage, you know. So if you say, you know, on average, one one hundredth of a percent of a fan base are 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 a holes, then Philadelphia, it's like fifteen percent of their fan base. Is <laughs> I I don't know. I'm, I I think some of it is definitely reputation. I think the reputation has snowballed. Yes. And I think any time an Eagles fan does something disgusting or whatever, it, it becomes news. So it's it becomes sort of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, you know, sort of like any time someone uses a racial slur in Boston, yeah. people want to pretend like it's 19... 19- 65 yeah, or that, something. That's a, that's a good point. Fair point. You know, I, and I, I, so I, I think things get out of scale pretty easily. But, you know, I, I, there's some truth to what you're saying because, look, I root for a team that has a pretty high percentage of juvenile fans. Yep. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and I, look, I don't know that it's our fault. You know, if you rooted for the Jets, you'd find alternative forms of entertainment as well. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think your original statement is, is the right one, which is every single fan base, without exception, yeah. has got jerks. Yeah, and if we want to pay if we want to pay attention to the jerks, we can make any fan base look bad. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Just yeah. Maybe, maybe Philly has just a little higher percentage. <laughs> <laughs> well, they booed Santa Claus. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know that that doesn't that doesn't uh, stay out of my dead horse Rolodex. All right, <laughs> but let's let's roll down some other running backs. Any, any people that have caught your eye. Uh, at the top, and uh, and uh, that we might be seeing, you know, today, you know, or in reviewing what we see today in the combine. That yeah, well, when people interest. listen to this podcast, they're going to have data on these running backs. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're 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 fighting with our hands tied behind our backs a little bit. Um, but I, I, you know, look, I'm not alone. You're going to hear a lot of people say this. I love this running back class. It's uh, it's crazy deep. I mean. The ninth running back on my board is John Kelly, and I think John Kelly's an NFL starter. I really do. Mm. You know, and even when you go past Kelly, Rashad Penny, some people think Rashad Penny should be in the top three, you know. So it's, uh, and, and, you know, even past that, you know, uh, um, Hines. I was going to say NC Hines State. from NC State gets a lot of press, yeah. Very interesting player. Darrell Williams, who, you know, no one's talking about him, but the only reason you don't know about him is because he was stuck behind Geis. Right. And before that, he was stuck behind Fournette. So, uh, there's some real talent in this class. And, and does, uh, does the skill set of the of the class in general? I know each player is different, and each class yeah. is different. But the skill set needed in in the NFL now for a running back, you know, pass protection, good hands, good yeah. feet in open space, versatility, can line up anywhere. Do, do does the depth in this class match the current need in the NFL at the position? Well, I mean, not all of it. And if you look at my rankings, I've downgraded the the one trick ponies guys like Bo Scarborough. Right. You know, some you'll see Scarborough high on some lists, but I'm downgrading him just for the reason that you said. Um, uh, you know, uh, who's another good example? Uh, Jevion Franklin out of Western Michigan. I think in the past might have been uh, uh, you know higher on some people's boards. Yeah. He's not very high on mine. Um, uh, what's another good example? Uh, you know, well, Cameron Petway out of Auburn, I sort of like. But it's it's it, the answer to your question is yes. There are guys who have the skill sets to play in uh, the forward-thinking NFL. You know, where the league's going versus where it is. However, you want to phrase it. Well, I think um, I think Scarborough is a good a good uh, a good answer to that because a he comes from Alabama, right? They're they're always so prominent. So it's a guy you're going to see a lot. It's a guy that the play-by-play and the commentary guys on Saturday are going to go crazy on. You're going to see him on the national stage. He fits the suit in terms of what a running back and everyone's mind is. But yeah. then you, you push him down a little bit because maybe that doesn't translate today. He's sense. a guy who I think is a specialist. He, you know, he can be a closer for you. He maybe could be a short yardage back for you. He could be a guy if you really want to pound the football in a bad weather kind of game. He, you know, he's a guy to have around. Um, but you know, I think in the end he's going to have a career that's sort of similar. Um, oh, man, I'm, I'm spacing on his name. Who's that big kid who came out of Boston College a couple years ago? Willie Green. No, 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 no. Um, 
oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot this guy's name. Really good player. He was like setting NCAA records for rushing. Huge dude. Um, there was really crazy stiff arm, like three, four years ago. I know. I'm thinking of. I just have to go through my my. my I can't my, believe I forgot this guy's name. It was, anyway, it was Mike Cloud, Willie Green, and um, no, you're going way too far back. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. He played for the Giants. I think he's still on the oh, Chargers roster. Um, yeah, they just caught him last year. Uh, what is wrong with me? Yeah. Well, it's March. We need to get a young person on this podcast. <laughs> it'll it'll come to me. They just caught him last year. I remember he was kind of hanging around in practice squads. Oh, I, I, for some reason, Jason Williams is in my head, but nah, that's, that's not, not it. it. But, but but anyway, um, you know, it's uh, but that, that kind, kind that kind of guy, that kind of player. that kind of guy. Um, see now I'm now I'm upset. <laughs> But anyway, let's talk about Remember that time stuff. we talked about those guys that we like. Like, how about Lendell White? Is that is that is that a good is that a good one? Lendell White is that a good point? A good comp, but yeah. well, White was a better player. But anyway, yeah. um, if you keep him away from you know the the Popeyes and the McDonalds, yes, yes, um, the arches. But the, the good guys in this class, you know, I, I I'm pretty high on this, uh, you know, on my board until you get you know into like that sixth tier. Mm. Um, you know, any you know. It, through tier five, I really like them, um, and, and I mean, it, my personal sort of favorite from a value standpoint is is John Kelly. I feel like he's he doesn't get enough love. Tennessee, um, and, and you know, Jalen Samuels uh, out of NC State, who technically at the combine is a tight end. Hmm. Um, he's got Patriot skills. I was going to say, if if you're a tight end of the combine and you're in the running backs area, I bet the first thing I thought of is like, oh, maybe that's a guy the yeah, Patriots will look at. He's, an exceedingly aware football player. Versatile. Plays, plays super smart. Uh, I think he could be a lead running back. I really do. Um, but you know, if you want, like to an H back kind of thing. Yeah, he could be sort of a hybrid player. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit smaller than Aaron Hernandez, uh, but he could maybe play an Aaron Hernandezy kind of role. Hmm. Um, I think he's this kid's a little bit more of a solid citizen. Well, I, we all are, but uh, Shane Kai uh, Check is a more solid citizen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, I, Jalen Samuels is. I, I, it's going to be really interesting to see how the NFL values him and, and where he gets drafted. Um, if I were looking for a diverse power back who could do everything, he he would be high on my list. So he's a guy, and I definitely think he has uh, Patriot potential. Um, but my seventh back, Ronald Jones, I mean, this guy has the ability to maybe be something special. Um, uh, you know, and, and look, I probably have him lower than he should be. I sort of put Royce Freeman up at six to make a point because I think most people have Freeman way too low on their boards. Mm. Um, uh, and carry on Johnson at Auburn's a really tough Good running back. Everybody knows about Sony Michelle. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I am maybe not, maybe not as high on Michelle as some people, but I really do like him. Uh, and Nick Chubb, I think, is universally underrated. I really do. Well, the, I, I think Nick Chubb is going to be an. You know, if Nick Chubb stays healthy for the next five years, he's probably going to end up in round one of fantasy drafts at some point. No kidding. Yeah, I, I think so. That's cool. That's I mean, cool. he's got to stay healthy. You know, that part is, and and certainly the the potential injury issue could could knock him down on some team sports. I don't know, uh, but I think he's underrated in terms of his diversity. Uh, and at you know, two hundred and thirty odd pounds, I can't remember what his weigh-in was off the top of my head, but uh, he is a a violent runner. He is direct and to the point. Uh, you know, he's exactly the kind of running back NFL teams love because he, you know, he doesn't take a lot of chances. He generally gives you positive yardage. He, he finishes runs and he falls forward, um, and he can block. So, uh, you know, I think Chubb's a lead back somewhere, uh, maybe as soon as this year. Uh, but, but that brings us to the problem with this running back class. It's that there's not enough, you know, it's musical chairs. You know, we've got you know, 12 to 15 really good running backs, and there's only going to be two or three chairs available um, for high-profile opportunity. Um, yeah, that, that's going to te- be teams that are really in need. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, somebody's going to get the Indianapolis gig. That'll be great. Somebody maybe will get the 49ers gig. That'll be great. Uh, you know, maybe the Giants decide to upgrade with a big back. But you know, the fact that most of these backs are going to go through the first round. And we'll go somewhere in the second. You know, the better teams are going to get opportunities to take these players. And some of these big-name guys could end up stuck behind Gurley, you know? Yeah. 
and uh, you know, or David Johnson, or who knows. Yeah. Uh, and, and that'll be a buzzkill for us uh, dynasty players. That'd be smart for the Arizona to, to, to try to you know, get somebody, just in case, you know, Johnson takes a little bit more time, you know? Well, Johnson was a wrist, and he could have come back at the end of the year, yeah. so I think he's going to be good. I mean, the, the problem for Arizona is they lost their coach, and I think, personally, I think the coach had a lot to do with why that organization suddenly huh. became per, yeah. perennial. Per, peren- say the word for me, Perennially. Please. Thank you very much. Uh, a viable team, I, you know. Without Arians, I don't think that whole thing happened. Yeah, I mean, they got a good defense. But they they're desperate in need of a of a quarterback too. They the defense is starting to get hit too, and and you know, I, I don't know how much of that personnel is going to be there. So, uh, you know, Arizona's in trouble. They're in trouble because the Rams are on the rise. Uh, you know, Forty uh, Niners are on the rise. Seattle's good. They're going to get a lot of defensive talent back healthy next year. Yeah. And obviously they've got Wilson. They've got Pete Carroll. So uh, Arizona looks like a potential doormat for a while. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, back to back to where they belong. Unless, unless, you know, unless they really get it going. I'm not in love with their GM. So yeah, they get, it's 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 such a. There's a lot of teams that you don't think of as cellar dwellers, you know, that really have some uh, some holes to fill, and they are at the top of the list. And again, and I, I think that you know the, the 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 Patriots are rock solid, but they got a lot of holes, man. And so this is a really interesting draft from a local perspective, from a uh, a national perspective, in terms of the teams that uh, have holes to fill. And it's a deep draft, so it'll be it, it's uh, I think it's one that's worth kind of digging into a little bit. I wanted to get off running backs if you're interested. I know that article's yeah. been up there a couple of days. You're uh, driving. Where are we going? Well, receivers are up today, but before we do, you know, let's talk QB a little bit. You know, we got a sure. we got a few minutes, and it, all we've heard. And you and I were talking about this and preaching about it during our show all year long. Yeah. It's a good quarterback class. When the Garoppolo trade happened, you know, yeah. they, uh, it's a good quarterback class. They got another second-round pick. People don't think they got enough, but trust me, it's a good class. Um, so here we are. <laughs> it's the yeah. combine, yeah. and this class, is, this class is in front of us. The names that kind of keep popping up in terms of the Patriots are Luke Falk and Kyle Lalletta. And I don't know how much film work you've done yet in terms of diving into the QBs. But, you I'm know, definitely going to do more, but I've, I've, watched, I've watched all these guys uh, enough to have initial opinions. Uh, I've watched the top four or five guys quite a bit. Um, I would think you've seen Mayfield and, like, and, and, yeah, and I, all I'm, those guys. I, 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 I'm very big on Darnold and Mayfield. Yeah. Uh, I like Rosen quite a bit, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fairly big fan of Lamar Jackson as well. Um, I, and and you know this it's you know you want to say it's not a race thing, but then you have all these teams wanting to turn him into a receiver, and you just wonder mm. what are these people thinking? Mm. Um, I mean, this kid this kid is so talented. He throws a decent ball. Um, I mean, I'm not in love with his throwing motion. You know, he's got a little bit of a slurve to his throwing motion. It's not ideal, but I don't think it's anywhere near as problematic as a lot of people want to make it out to be. It's not like a, it's like a, not like a Tebow, Tebow screwball that he used to throw? Yeah, no, no, not like that. It's, it's, it's more like Randall Cunningham. Okay. Um, kind of threw it like it, a golf ball. If you will, but uh, not not as long uh, as Cunningham. Yeah. But uh, but Lamar Jackson, when you look at and, and by the way, I mean I, I I watched all the available films so far, and I I will definitely go through all his games at least one more time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, this isn't my final take on him, but I, I personally have been impressed with the way he sees a defense. I don't I don't think he's uh, hurting in that regard. I'm, I I think his footwork really is the thing I would want to work on the most. I, I feel like too often he uses a really narrow base, uh, and I'd like to see him widen that base a little bit. Um, and, and as I say in the article, and, and Coach sort of talked to me about this, uh, you know, if he can find, even if you can't find the perfect release point for him, you just want to get him to the point where he's consistent with whatever release point he's using. If, if you can get his release point consistent, and if you can get his feet cleaned up, I, I mean, I don't know. He looks like an awful uh, talented player to me. I mean, if Geno Smith is the second-round pick in the NFL, this kid's got to go higher than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you caught Geno Smith last week, but <laughs> he was he was talking about how he's been studying the whole flat-earth concept. Oh, boy. <laughs> Apparently he he's trying to sort of defend Kyrie and uh, oh, God. Gino. Yeah, it's, it's, Gino. It's not helping Gino. your cause, man. Gino, Gino, yeah, Gino. It's not helping your cause. His agent must have just been like, 
face palm. Just unbelievable stuff. I don't even know what to what, say. I, can't, I don't it, know how to address that. What did the Wicked Witch say? What a world. Yeah. What a world. <laughs> I mean. it's, it's madness, man. Um, so suffice to say, Gino is what we call a low-information voter. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, to me, the top seven guys on the board all make sense for, for the Patriots. Well, you know, maybe with the exception of Josh Allen, if they they don't think he's fixable. But can they get um, any of those guys? They, uh, I mean, can they get Luke Falk? I don't see any reason why they can't get Luke Falk. I but mean, that's a round two guy. I'm thinking. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Luke Falk, I would think would be a round two or even round three guy. I mean, I, I don't know. See, the one thing that's interesting about this draft, and we'll know more when we get there. But it's a pretty deep free agent class, right? Yeah. So a lot of these teams where everybody's saying quarterback need, quarterback need, some of these teams are going to sign quarterbacks before the draft, and that may change their urgency level, right? So, you know, I mean, Cousins is going to take the need right off the board for one team. They're not going to draft a quarterback. Right. They just signed, you know, the $200 million man or whatever it's going to be. You just walked exactly where I wanted you to walk because I, okay. I had a thought this week. Yeah, you know Minnesota has a lot of quarterbacks. Yeah, well, the, the, the Keenum and Bridgewater technically are going to be free agents. I was going to say, you know, and you know, if you can't, if the Patriots can't kind of get, and just in terms of positioning, like you and I always talk about in fantasy, sometimes it's just the way the draft falls to you, and you, you know, you've got your plan and you plan your work, but you can't always work your plan. You know what I mean? And just in terms yeah. of where the draft falls. Let's say the draft doesn't fall the, the way the Patriots want, and they can't get Luke Falk, and you know they don't feel right about Kyle Laletta or whomever else it is, and they don't yeah, want to move like up. White, whatever. Yeah, they don't want to fall up for this guy. What's wrong with taking a project look at Teddy Bridgewater? Well, Teddy Bridgewater is not a project. Teddy Bridgewater can play. Um, the question is: Is Teddy Bridgewater still Teddy Bridgewater? That's well. That's why I'm thinking in that term because it right. would be injuries, right? So right. he, to me, is an intriguing guy because. <laughs> He showed a lot. You know of, how much I love Bridgewater. I know. He was like, you know. It, I, would, it would break my little green heart if he went to the Patriots. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I remember when, when, that, when that class was coming out, and he was, you know, when, when, at Rotobahn when you did the quarterback rankings, you know, and yeah. Garoppolo's in that class. We really liked that class. Right. And Bridgewater. Bortles was the only guy we didn't like. Yeah, and there was uh, that's right. Yeah, Bortles was the guy you didn't like. And then, you know, I think uh, Manziel was in that, in that class, we, too. We, right? And look. Let's not get too much into Manziel, but I'll defend my my football take on Manziel until yeah, the cows come home. You know, we just didn't realize he was a junkie. Right? Um, yeah, he didn't know. You know, and he's you know what he's sober again, and and I guess he's bipolar. So you know, hopefully he gets his life on track. Um, so anyway, but, uh, but back to it. But, so, but I remember but that class when you look at it. Yeah, I mean Derek Carr, Bridgewater, right. Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah. good quarterbacks. Great quarterback class. So that's the 2014 class, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I remember the, the quarterback that you had on the, uh, the image of on, at Rotobahn was actually Bridgewater. And I was like, huh, that's interesting, knowing that, you know, there's a lot of talk about Derek Carr and there was Manziel, was a, the whole offseason was about him, and Bortles was yeah. the, big, he was the eventual number one pick quarterback. Johnny and Teddy and Jimmy were my guys in that class. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so those are my guys. So Bridgewater's but he's always been interesting to me. And then the rookie year, you know, um he showed a little bit, you know, and and I, he there's something there. And I'm thinking with the injury issues, I'm wondering if he kind of takes a step back in terms of the thirty two team perception and he actually can be a project kind of player, which would be cool. Well I don't want to catch you know, for the Patriots. Again, he's definitely not a project and, and look, they actually Or someone you can be patient with, or he can be well, patient. Right, you know? But you know, they had he was active at points last year before they were able to activate Bradford. Now, how willing were they to let Bridgewater go out there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how never, real that was. That was he never question. did. Right. Um, but, you know, it sure sounded at one point like Zimmer wanted to make the move. Like he wanted to go to Bridgewater, but Keenum kept having good games. Yeah. And they just couldn't ever do it. You know, I, I'd love to get Zimmer on a, on a penta, sodium pentothal drip. Mm. And 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 make him tell me the truth, you know. Um, of, you know, is Teddy Bridgewater Teddy Bridgewater anymore? I I, I don't think there's any way you can know. Um, but but here to answer your question, if he doesn't get a big contract in free agency, if nobody's able to commit to him. Um, it'd be a tremendous move for the Patriots to slide him in behind Brady, uh, along with whatever rookie they come up with or Hoyer. Um, 
And, uh, you know, Bridgewater, there's, there's multiple scenarios on Bridgewater. Scenario A, he's never going to be the same, and he's never going to do anything. Scenario B, he's ready right now. Uh, scenario C, he's going to continue to get better and better. Yeah. I don't know which one is the one. Um, but, you know, two out of three of those aren't so bad. So um, he would be really typical Patriots in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was just thinking of it like earlier this week. I'm like, you know what? That might be a really sneaky get for them. Yeah. Um, well, and and that goes to what I'm saying about this whole thing. It's it's a deep create. It's a deep pool of talent uh, with with the draft, but it's also a deep free agent class. So, um, in typical Patriot fashion, if they lay back and wait for the value, they will get some value. The one difference here is we're talking about the quarterback position and we're talking about them eventually needing to play someone, you know, for real as, as the guy. Um, you know, Bridgewater profiles someone who could do that. Mm. Yeah, so, I would yeah. agree. Give me- yeah, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to, to my team going after Teddy. You know, the, the problem is until we actually see Bridgewater playing like Bridgewater, you need plan B. Yeah, you're right. You have to. It, he doesn't come without a contingency plan, but it's just right. he's, he's an interesting He's an interesting. But he's, not, you know, he's not the only guy. I mean, obviously Keenum's out there. Um, you know, I mean, some teams may think Nick Foles is an option if they want to, you know, overpay for something that I think is safe to say has peaked. Um you know, but you know, AJ McCarron, I think, is probably an NFL starter. Yeah, he doesn't, you should have been starting for the Browns. Should have been starting for the Browns last year. He could be. Yeah. It could be. You know, uh, he could end up starting for him next year. For all we know. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, look, if I'm the Browns, I'm taking a quarterback first, and I'm not messing around. Yeah, they have. To. Uh, that's what I'm doing if I'm the Browns. But you know. The Browns, you know, freaking Browns. Let's not even get into the Browns. Yeah, they're really, they're brown. I mean, they're, they're, they're a black hole. They're, freaking they're brown podcasting. for they're brown for a reason. Oh my gosh, they're so, just they're infuriating. Um, we gotta we gotta wrap it up, but I want I do want to throw one topic out. I wanted you to do like a lightning round player. I'm going to give you a second to kind of think about it a little bit. Okay, either QB running back. But hopefully, receiver. we can podcast maybe once or twice next week because we've got a lot of stuff to cover. There's a ton. I, I really want, I want to pick your brain. I want the audience to, to get in there and understand who's out there and. and what it means to their fantasy drafts. But one guy, and I want to talk about this one fella, uh, receiver, and the reason I'm going to bring him up is I actually saw a, um, one of the HBO Sports documentaries that we have Brian Gumble and that whole group of people, and they did a documentary on uh, a, a dad, a sports dad who's out there that they're kind of like saying is, is like a LeVar Ball-like in terms of the plan, ah. you know, or Earl Woods or, or LeVar Ball-like the plan that he had in place for the next generation in his family. And uh, it's the St. Brown family. And at the top oh of your list is Equinemius St. Brown. I said it there for you, um, from Notre Dame. But it was a fascinating documentary. And uh, from what I can see, and I didn't do like the film study that you've done, but this kid and his brothers, boy, do they have their heads on straight. So if you're looking for someone who can kind of, that has discipline, that has strength, that um, that is coachable, man. I mean, I don't know the whole class yet, and I, I'm nowhere near where you are in terms of the study, but what I just saw in terms of what this kid can process to get to where he is, he's, he speaks like eight languages, and, man, he's talented. Um, so what you saw on the field from him, I'd be really interested to know. Yeah, I mean, the rankings I have really are based almost solely on what I've seen on the field. Yep. Um, if they weren't, I would move Antonio Callaway even further down my board than right, he is. Right, because he's a gas um, I, He's another one where he's sort of high as an attention getter. Yep. Um, I mean, there's a chance he won't even be drafted. You know, he, he might be in the process, as we speak, of not impressing people. You know? Yeah, so, he's got a rap sheet, man. Oh, Lord, he, he, he messed up, okay? Yep. Um, you know, now... I, I root for all these guys to get their acts back together. Sure. You know, I was not a perfect twenty-year-old. I, I don't think these guys necessarily need to be, but he's a kid who's gotten pretty far off the reservation, and he's going to need to do sort of a little bit extra to get himself in the you know in the conversation. Now, if he does get himself onto a football field for some team, I think he can do great things. You know, we'll see. Um, as as far as St. Brown goes, you know, uh, you know, he's at the top of my second tier. Uh, but, you know, uh, he could easily be number seven on my board as number two. That tier is very tight. I like all the receivers in there. 
and I'm going to keep grinding on these guys, and, and they will move around a little bit between now and the draft. But look, he's he's long, he's fast, he's strong. As you say, he's smart. Um, he, you know, he's got a little perspective on life. Yeah. Now, sometimes the NFL doesn't like that. By the way, that's true. Look at like yeah, look at um, Ricky Williams, for instance. You know, like so. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. I saw yesterday that they asked. Uh, uh, Bo Scarborough, what's the what's the weirdest question you've had so far? Apparently, the Browns asked him if he thought God was an Auburn fan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so Cleveland once again, way, way to ask the important question. <laughs> way to get to the bottom of it, yeah. <laughs> right, and, and, and I guess he said, "No, I do not." I would have said I reject the premise of the question. <laughs> I would have really ticked him off. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so I, you know, look, I don't know. I can't tell you if his mental makeup is something that teams will like or not like, it's hard to say. But he's big, he's fast, he's got talent, and he's young. Yes, and, he is. Um, and a big program, too. You don't get bigger than Notre Dame, you know, so... Yeah, so, you know, I mean, uh, he's definitely a guy who I think, um, in this class, he sort of stands out, uh, because there's not a lot of high-end talent in this class. So when I, when I see decent film from a guy with high-end talent, he moves up the board very fast, mm. and uh, that's why Browns are the top. But you know what? It's really tough to tell with this class. It wouldn't shock me if Brown went in the fourth round. Mm. You know, it wouldn't blow me away. Um, I, in fact, I think other than Ridley, I'm interested to see if any of these receivers go in the first round. Mm. I, my guess would be that none of them do. We've had so many. We've had so many great young receivers in the last few years in these drafts. Yeah, we've been spoiled. Yeah, and I just don't know how much need there is. There's always need, but like. No, you're absolutely right. It's a lot like the running back position, uh, where, you know, there's not a lot of jobs available. You know, there's some teams that need help, but uh, not as many as you would normally think. And people in New England forget. You know, you forget you get Malcolm Mitchell coming back, too. You know, right. he's a nice little player. So, yeah, so it's in my article this morning, I'm like, uh, you know, in, until Amendola signs somewhere else, to me, he's a Patriot. Uh, so to me, I'm looking at the Patriots, and I've got six receivers locked in. Uh, you know, Dorsett's been in the system for a year. He's more likely to do better in year two than year one. Mitchell's been around. Kid. He knows yeah. the system. Edelman and, and Amendola obviously know the system backwards, forwards, upside down. Hogan, Hogan is trustworthy. Uh, you know, Cooks, uh, you know, as I said in the article this morning, I, I don't, you know, the idea that the Patriots are cutting Cooks, I think it's crazy. I'm with you. Uh, scratch so, the surface with him. We scratch the surface. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, we all remember the, the, you know, the Aaron Dobson years where there wasn't enough receiving talent around. Uh, this is very much the opposite of yeah. that. They've got guys who work in the system. They've got guys that the quarterback trusts. Uh, they've got speed. They've got route runners. You know, with the exception of having a real long body, they've got it all. Yep. So. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, I, to me the Patriot receivers, it's a, it's a, it ain't broke, so don't fix it kind of thing. Yeah, this is a sideline viewing for Patriots fans in, in this class, I think, but it, yeah. it could be fun for fantasy football because it's going to be all about the landing spot. Like you might yeah. you might look at rankings and like, oh, this guy was the seventh ranked or the ninth ranked, or the, but if he lands in the right spot, that's going to be the guy you're going to want to get. Yeah, no, I, uh, Sigmund Bloom said it. Uh, um, he responded to one of my tweets yesterday saying landing spot is going to help sort this out. He's 100% right. Yep. Uh, I mean, the reason, and, and so the, the logical response to that is, well, Pete, why are you going to spend the two, next two months racking your head against the wall? The, the answer is because I want to know these receivers inside and out so I can tell what a good landing spot is. Yeah. Um, and uh, it, it, I, for me, it's just important to really know these players as well as I can because when they change teams, when they get into free agency, I, I want to know what a good fit is. Um, so, so that's what I'm really doing. I mean, the, the, the pre-draft rankings aren't that important because really the NFL is going to rank these guys for us whether we like, the, like it or not. Yep. Draft capital outweighs so many other things. You know, when a team takes a, a guy in the second or third round, they're putting their weight behind that player. So, you know, if you, you don't think the guy can play, well, that's fine. Um, but if a team goes high on him, he's going to get more opportunity uh, than the guys taken later, you know. No doubt. Um, you, know, I, you know, sometimes you have a team like the Jets who takes a bunch of bums, and, you know, they take a couple bums in the fourth round, and they take a Nunwa in the sixth round. <laughs> but for the great most play. part. Yeah, great, great pick. Yeah, way to go, Jets. But, <laughs> uh, uh, you know. Uh, for the most part, the you know draft position is going to tell you a very big part of the story, and you need to respect it. You know, you think a guy's a third round talent and he goes undrafted, 
you need to take that pill and eat it and move on. Yep. Yeah. You know. All right. So tell our guys what's coming. Uh, what's coming next out of you on WEI? Uh, well, we're de- we're going to put up a little tight end uh, article tomorrow morning before the before the tight ends work out. So you can look for that. Um, and then uh, next week, hopefully, you and I can do multiple podcasts. Yep. Uh, to, to pick up the pieces of the combine and talk about who flashed and, uh, you know, any changes on our board and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and uh, you, you'll be seeing some articles from me in, in the coming weeks. Uh, awesome. I'm planning on maybe doing a best ball article. Cool. Um, uh, yeah, and we'll be doing some articles on the rookie class for dynasty drafts, that kind of stuff. So Awesome. It'll be, it'll be an active offseason. All right, cool. So we're going to be uh, more from Jim and Pete next week on the podcast. Plenty more from Pete coming as soon as, uh, it sounds like, this weekend. And uh, finally, uh, one little last thing I want to throw out there is uh, yeah. a, a great work friend and someone who I've actually become friends with uh, has uh, left WEI, as everybody knows, long since by now, Michael Hawley. I just want to give a shout-out to him as someone who knows him um, and gotten to know him, and, and you got to know him as well and yeah. did some events with him. Just a dynamite guy and yep. uh, wish him nothing but the best and... Um, you know, first class all the way, always had a, a yes, happy, friendly, willing attitude. If he didn't want to do something, um, there was a reason for it, and he was always open to sp- t- talking things through. Just a great guy, and I uh, wish him nothing but the best at NBC Sports TV, and I think he'll be back in some form here. That's my prediction. I don't know anything. I didn't talk to him about it. It's just a gut feeling. Because this no, I place, hope you're right, because yeah. he's, a, he's a darn good writer, and he's a yeah. good broadcaster, but as you say, he's He's a really great guy. He's a dynamite guy. Good guy to have yeah. around. So wish Michael all the best. And, uh, and that's it, man. So let's you and I catch up uh, after the combine and uh, give the people what they want. All right, buddy. All right, Sounds man. good. See ya. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.